When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recording, and we audio audio's getting all kind of crazy on us, but whatever. We're gonna do it live. Who cares? No, we're good. We're good. I don't care. <laughs> Let's do it. Larry, have you? I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I made an Area Fifty One sweatshirt. I, de- <laughs> I designed. I designed it, and I had it printed on. It's alien. The new the pocket is the uh, 1947 newspaper from Roswell, and on the cuffs. Yeah. Did you uh, did you go out there to get it, or did you uh, order? Oh, I designed it. You designed it. Yeah, I taught myself graphic design over like three years, and I I, I designed this like a year ago. Finished it up this year, and uh, I just kind of had it sitting on my computer for a while, and then I got some latent inspiration and decided to there's. You got Bob Lazar on it. Yeah. Hold on. Bob Dan. Yeah. Well, you're very talented. Thank you, sir. It's, uh, I, I got a bunch you got of... got Bob Lazar on the back of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Bob. Yeah, Bob Lazar. And then on the front, I got the grays. And, uh, yeah, got the area. I scanned the area. I got a, a high-resolution scan of the, uh, Roswell newspaper, and uh, that's the pocket. That so, good. Yeah, so you can actually read the you can read the article on the uh, just as it was in 1947. But uh, you, uh, you didn't put the uh, the piece of uh, the uh, telegram or whatever it was that uh, Blanchard was holding in his hand that uh, that uh, what was that. Uh, uh, in uh, in Texas, in uh, Fort Worth, at uh, I forget what air base that was. It was the home of the Eighth Air Force. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I did I did this one as I did it and kind of put it away for like a year. But um, yeah. So for everybody listening, this is Larry Holcomb, author of Presidents and UFOs. One of my two. Th- yeah, one of my one of my three three favorite UFO books. This unacknowledged and UFOs, generals and government officials by Leslie Kane. Those are my three go to UFO books. So everybody listening will be in the description and will be sticky in the top comment. It's an awesome listen on Audible. Um, but yeah, I don't remember. Actually, let's just get into it. So you sent me the link last week of um, former head of Israeli space program. Saying that, oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to. I thought it'd be good to discuss some yeah. current events. Yeah, um, I, I sent that link to you, didn't? You? Yes, sir. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say how to read these things. You know, whether we're dealing with disinformation or um, or what. Mm-hmm. But it, there's one thing for sure: things are happening faster and faster and faster. Yeah, you know, um, in this. Uh, with this topic um so 
I don't know. Um, I don't trust anything until it's pretty well proven. Yeah. But uh, it's that seems pretty responsible. And it was, what did I say? It was uh, reported on NBC mm-hmm. News. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as usual, none of the other, maybe Fox Network has, but none of the other uh, major networks have picked up on. Yeah. They, you know, they, they're still beyond me to understand why and how they can still be treating the subject of UFOs uh, uh, or UAPs or whatever you want to call them now. I like flying saucers myself, but anyway, <laughs> the uh, they just ignore it. Uh, and I was watching, it must have been the History Channel the other day, I was watching the rerun of, um, now I forget what the title of the show was, but anyway, it was a modern show, and it had Nick Pope going to uh, interview at Fox News, um, you got to help me again, I can't, I'm terrible with names now. Fox News. Um, um, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, sure. So he was interviewing Tucker Carlson, and it was a great interview. So Fox News is the only one that's, and, and Tucker Carlson in particular, are the only ones in major news uh, today that uh, are doing anything to try to dig in at least a little bit into the UFO issue. Now, with the crazy political climate that's been going on, I can imagine that it's very hard for them to talk about UFOs now when you've got all this other crap yeah. uh, flying around. Yeah. But um, that was, if you, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's, it's a history channel, and I don't know what episode it was, but it had to do with UFOs, mm-hmm. current UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Tucker Carlson is uh, doing a good job on it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but as far as this Israeli thing, that's that's really all we know is what this, uh, what this general said. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, the piece that you sent me um, on, uh, well, the first thing was on the, uh, this guy that, that started off saying he was a general, and uh, I can't remember his name. Um, he looks good, and he comes across pretty well, but uh, I found out. But he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's. I can pull up his name right now. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he was a general in the North Carolina militia, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was um, a general in the army. Yeah, Brigadier Uh, General Lovekin, Stephen Lovekin. Yeah, Brigadier General Lovekin entered the military in 1958, 1959. He joined the White House Army Signaling Agency and served under Eisenhower and Kennedy. But I remember I sent that to you. Yeah, you said you you did some research, and uh, he's not the most credible. In my opinion, when I 
watch the interview again that uh, you said, I, I had seen that about a couple of years or so before that may have been longer than that, I don't know, because I put it out of my mind after I found out what he was. Mm-hmm. And um, so his responses, when I looked at it again, with the knowledge, new knowledge that I had, he, he was not really evasive, but he wasn't, he wasn't crisp on a lot of things that he yeah. said. It was, it was almost like he was making it up as he went along. Sure. So, um, anyway, that's enough of that. But the, what was the other one that you sent me that, uh, I want to talk about. Which one? Not, so not General Lovekin, not Israeli special, or former head of Israeli space program. Uh, Jacques, Val- Jacques Vallée on, on Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. Battelle Memorial That's Institute. It. Yeah. That was, that, uh, that was extremely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I went back now. You've read my book, right? Yes, sir. Twice. Huh? Yeah, twice. Twice. Well, you know, I mentioned the Teal Memorial Institute. Yes. In the book. Yes. Not, I don't go into any detail. Yeah. But how the Teal was involved originally, to the best of my knowledge, and that may be incorrect now from, from what Dr. Uh, Ray is saying, and I certainly... Uh, would say that you'd be pretty well able to take what Valet says to the bank. Yeah. Um, because I think he's no nonsense. I think he's he's a true scientist sure. and, and working on this in a true scientific manner, as others have done. But uh, Valet certainly has credentials. Yeah. Um, so when he says... Well, let me back up. It was my understanding that Edward Ruppel, Captain Edward Ruppel, who was the first head of Project Blue Book, when he, when Blue Book was set up, Ruppel um, came in, took over, or started Blue Book, and he went to Batil. Now, why that was, and it could be that the Air Force had other dealings, had prior dealings with Batil. But Rupelt went to Batil and got them to study, to make a in-depth studies of UFOs, or probably call them flying saucers then. Mm-hmm. And they did. It took them two years to do it. Mm -hmm. They studied uh, 20, what was it, 3,201 cases, I believe, if my numbers are right. 3,201 cases. And they finally issued their uh, Blue Book Special Report 14 Mm -hmm. uh, about two years later or so later. And actually, uh, Rupel had just left Blue Book. 
and some others had came in and then take, took over. But Rupel was the best at running Blue Book because he really wanted to run it as a research part of the Air Force. Yeah. And the later people, especially Quentin Hecknell, uh, uh, was nothing but a cover-up artist. And that's what Blue Book became, just a, a propaganda tool yeah. of, of the Air Force. But anyway, Patil came out with their report. Now, it was my understanding that Patil was primarily just a think tank. But what I found out that they're far more than a think tank. They, they do, in, they invent things, they develop things. They have their tentacles spread into, seems like hundreds of yeah. different areas. Yeah. So, uh, and that surprised me when I found out that they were more than a very highly respected think tank, which they are, but they are far more than that, I've heard. Yes. Well, they came out with this 1,000, 1,000 page report. Well, you probably know all of this, but anyway. For, no, for the listeners, yeah. For, for people watching. Special report, uh, was it 14? That the report was full of charts and graphs and all sorts of statistics. So um, Donald Quarles was, at the time, was Secretary of the Air Force. And uh, he... Uh, decided that the report was too lengthy at a thousand pages that the Air Force couldn't afford to print it and distribute it. Mm -hmm. Now that may be the truth. Sure. Um, I won't find fault with that. But he held a press conference. And in his press conference, he said the Air Force has studied the subject of flying saucers or UFOs for over two years now, in depth. And this is what we found out. Now, he never mentioned Patil Memorial Institute. He just made it sound like the Air Force had done it. Mm -hmm. And we studied 3,201 cases. And of those... 3,201 cases, we could only come up with 3% that weren't identified. And of those 3%, it was the worst data, the most inconsistent data, and the worst witnesses that we could have. Okay press took it as usual and ran with it. Now, when the Afro Special Report 14 became available as it, it has and it's on YouTube, if anybody tells, tells to take a look at it in depth, what it actually says in very condensed version that in fact it was not 3% that were unexplained. It was 21.5% 
And as my good friend Stanton Friedman used to say, it's pretty hard to round off 21.5% to 3%, or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, Then they went on to say, and they had a chart, you know, uh, on these pages. Everything was charted out. And it went into a lot of detail. But the bottom line was the 21.5% had absolutely the most qualified witnesses mm-hmm. and the best documented evidence of any of the, the sightings. In other words, the Air Force did what it always does. They lied. They lied through their teeth. Yeah. So that's that was the Teal Memorial Institute, and that was my first knowledge of it. And of course, that's I write about that in the book. I don't go into great detail, but I write about it in the book. Um, so, but the Air Force continued to shoot itself in the foot many times later. But Patil had this had done this report. It's excellent. Anybody that's really interested in in goes all in line Air Force special. Report. 14 it's right there all the charts and drafts uh, graphs and and everything yeah and what they've written out so uh uh, then i find out from uh and i haven't watched that either i've listened to it but i haven't been able to find the video on uh joe rogan's Oh, it's because he moved. He moved to Spotify, and starting on December first, uh, his contract stipulated that no new episodes would go up on YouTube. It's terrible. You can't watch them on YouTube, and you can't watch the new ones on YouTube. It's shitty. It's excuse my French, but it's where, where did that come from? The video. Wait, where did what come from? The fact that they changed. Well, he he got a contract with Spotify for a hundred million dollars, a tenth of a billion dollars. He got a contract to come over to Spotify and to exclusively upload his uh, work there, which I mean, if you're looking for an excuse, a hundred million, that's an awful good excuse. But uh, so he took a hundred million dollar contract and went to Spotify. So all of his episodes from the first up until the first episode in 2010 up until um, December 1st of this or I guess. November 30th of this year were on YouTube and now new episodes are the vi- apparently there's video on Spotify but I, I haven't figured that out yet so I listened to it but um yeah no all well, it would be available probably to purchase somewhere I would I would think I don't know it's some I I mean they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, take it off the air and yeah. then be done with it no you know? no it's no it's, they want to make if they want to, if they want to uh, stop showing the programs, they do it for a reason, and that's for money. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's um, I think there is video. I think Spotify has a video player, but it's not the same as YouTube. I mean, YouTube sucks because it's kind of like a communist uh, digital gulag. But at the same time, like, man, like I've been watching Joe Rogan on YouTube for the last ten years. You go into the comments, it's it's you know, it's a whole. It's a whole culture, right? It's a whole community. And hey, man, I'm not blaming them. I'd take that contract. Hundred million smackaroos. 
But, well, uh, yeah, I would too. And and actually, I think he's a good interviewer. I so have, do I. He's fantastic. I have, I have one problem with him. He uses his extreme profanity to excess. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he uh, he uses the f bomb to the point that it is not necessary. It's just it's distracting. I'm I'm guilty uh, I'm guilty of that and I know yeah it's yeah. well I've heard you use it a couple of times not not to excess not like he does I mean he can have he doesn't care who he is uh, on there women men don't make any difference to him he talks the same way and maybe some people would say well to the to his credit yeah I just find it a little to have that drop right in the middle of an important conversation sure is distracting. Sure. But um, he is a good interviewer. Yeah. I think that's part of the draw to people, though, is that he can have on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had on, I was watching that long ago, uh, he had on Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for the whole show. And he used it repeatedly. But Dale Jr. didn't. Now, Dale Jr. can say, you know, uh, with the best of them, and he does on his own program, but I've never heard him use yeah. that phrase. Yeah. And uh, so he he played pretty straight. Yeah. Uh, somebody else I heard on there was some actress. And she joined right in with it. Yeah. Well, again, I think that's part of the fun because you got to remember, like, it, the show is ten years old now, so you got to think back to 2010. There was nothing like it. You know, if no. you wanted to see an interview, you had to watch it on CNN or Fox. And then here comes along Joe Rogan, this guy covered in tattoos, smoking pot, swearing, and it's great conversation. And it was such, you know, it's like. It's like rock and roll music taking over the world, you know, not long after World War II. It's like you can watch yeah. the evening news or you have Joe Rogan sitting there with tattoos up and down his arms, a statue of Buddha smoking pot, and he's talking to Bernie Sanders, right? It's There's definitely a major attraction of that, right? It's – it's I get it. Well, Howard Stern was so – Sure, sure. But even yeah, that's true. He may have been before. He was, yeah. That that's that's true. Howard Stern was, yeah. He was he was. But I guess you could say maybe it comes in waves, right? You have Howard Stern. He goes on XM and Sirius. But I think podcasts kind of took it over, and that like you didn't have to pay for it. It was on YouTube. You could. Uh, yeah. So who knows? Maybe now that he's gone to Spotify, maybe it will. Uh, maybe a new one will rise. Because I, after I saw they had on uh, Jacques Vallee. I downloaded the Spotify app and was like, fine, like, cause I have to listen to this. And it was a terrible experience. There were ads. It was, it kept stopping and starting. There was no comment section. There was no, and I was like, it just, I don't know. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm clinging to my old ways, but I don't know. It's kind of destroyed it. I think, I think for a show to truly be great, it's just got to be free and it has to just permeate the internet when you kind of lock it away in a one area, it kind of feels the man. Yeah. set some ground rules. Sure, probably. He's, he's, uh, he carries enough weight um, yeah. that he probably, 
I think I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that he had been, Rogan had been trying to get him on the program for a long time. Yeah. And he apparently wouldn't agree to come on, but he finally did. But I would imagine he set some ground rules. He didn't, he didn't want comments. He didn't sure. want to have to follow up comments and, you sure. know, follow. I don't know. I've seen, I have seen some shows, I can't remember exactly what now, but you will see uh, the comments were disabled. Yeah, those uh, suck. Those so, suck. So those are the worst. Know, I don't know. Those are the worst but ever. When I, yeah. The long and short of it is, the like I say, I listened to it. I listened to the audio of it, <laughs> but I didn't see the video. And you, if you see the person talking rather than just hearing, it, it, it gives more depth. Yeah what they're saying that mannerisms and the inflection of things um you get you get more and so i'd like to see it i'd like to see the video of the, of the old interview however the meat of the interview was the last what, five ten minutes fifteen minutes yeah uh, where he talked about uh the tear yeah now that he said some other interesting things uh that uh, he couldn't get into or he didn't want to get into or he didn't want to discuss and I think that was um, when he was talking about a piece of metal mm-hmm. that was shot off of the and I think it was in the Washington Mary go round yeah the 1950 yeah, yeah. that the uh, fighter it did actually hit, yeah. shot at the UFO yeah. and shot off a piece of metal now I never heard that before me neither I had always heard that on the second night, the second weekend, Saturday night, Sunday morning, that one pilot had a number of UFOs to come in and surround mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they told him to engage. And then when he radioed his people and asked him, what, what should he do? You know, I mean, he was obviously panicking, you know, what he should do. Um, they seem somewhat dumbfounded, but apparently, according to Valet, he fired on them. Yeah. And they dispersed. Yeah. Well, whether he fired on them or whatever, but they dispersed when he started talking to the tower or whatever. And, um, but if Valet said that they shot a piece of metal off of it, where he became evasive but where he said he did not want to talk about that yeah uh, obviously he was saying he knew about it yeah. but he didn't want to talk about it yeah well I, I found that strange because he's not tied in with any high security uh, agreements or he hasn't signed any disclosure agreements the only thing that I can figure is that it would hurt his sources that he's established over sure. the years. Sure. Yeah. Maybe and he's he, got an he doesn't hand. want to uh, to damage his uh, uh, group of uh, of sources. Yeah. Which which would make sense to me. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. If he's... But I'd like to know uh, more about what he does know. Yeah. Um, 
maybe before he dies, he'll, he'll uh, write a book and tell all. But uh, leave a note. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But anyway, I found that very, very interesting. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing these things come out faster and faster and faster. And I just feel like we're in a uh, an area of something is going to break. It's, it's accelerating. Now, I don't know what this new administration is going to do. Um, I suspect now I don't want to get into politics, but I suspect the administration is going to do just what it's told to do. Yeah, trying to get that vibe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, get a little bit of that. Yeah, business as business as usual. Kind of get that well, vibe. I think in in this case, it's it's really um, he's he's got strings attached. To That's him. what I mean. Uh, yeah, status he's, quo. He's a yeah, yeah. I mean. Maybe that's so, how Trump goes out. Maybe if uh, Trump can't overturn it or uh, certify or whatever. I think the people that are, if there is a ruling class, which seems to be more and more probable, yeah. uh, they don't want to get into that subject. Yeah. Yeah, well, they don't want it at all. So yeah. I think it's probably you had probably got a better chance with Trump than you would with with him, yeah, uh, with Biden. But uh, that's you know I'm talking out of my hat. I don't, yeah. uh, I don't have any reason to sure uh, it's... base that on any fact. It's just my feeling from watching and researching and uh so yeah uh, we'll see yeah. but that was that was very interesting time yeah you know, i found that to be to be to be quite interesting and, and, uh, yeah um so we'll see things are happening faster the problem is really is that they could be happening faster now, but throughout the history of modern flying saucers slash UFOs, we've seen things that would break, and we thought that there was going to be a big disclosure, and then it was clamped down. Yeah, it starts and that's to... Happen. Yeah, three or four or more times. Yeah, in the subject where you think that somebody's getting ready to say something. Yeah, and then something happens. Somebody takes over. Somebody in some powerful position says, "This is going to end." Yeah, um, and I really believe, as I've written in my in my book, that I think that the power of the presidency, the administration, to uh, break through with disclosure is dependent upon who the president is and how he is uh, 
received and viewed by the uh, intelligence community, and perhaps more importantly, the uh, military industrial complex. Yeah. Uh, because as valet said, they seem to be calling the shots. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Larry, tell them where they can get your book. I have to use the restroom again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've drank so much water, man. <laughs> Yeah, so for everybody listening, what we were talking about with Battelle Memorial Institute is uh, Jacques Vallée and uh, what's his name? James Fox. Is that the yeah. the... yeah. Which I had actually tried to contact him like last month. I tried to... Con- mm-hmm. I tried to get in touch with him because I've watched... I love his uh, movies, Out of the Blue and I Know What I Saw, both about UFOs couldn't get in touch with him and then i wanted to get in touch with jacques valet and i couldn't get in touch with him either and then sure enough they both show up on joe rogan and i was like ah you gotta be kidding me but point is is for everybody listening what they were talking about was that apparently battelle memorial institute is the sort of um it's sort of like the kingpin of like ufo materials it's what Bob Lazar talked about with a S4, and he said that he thought EG&G was in charge. Uh, other people think CIA or Air Force OSI or Office of Naval Intelligence. Um, what Jacques Vallée was saying is basically these are all subservient to one entity, and the one entity is something called Battelle Memorial Institute, which is kind of hiding in plain sight, has its tentacles, as Larry said, in all of the major national labs, Sandia, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And it seems that they are in control of um, of recovered materials, material. And because of that, none of it is subject to FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests or declassification because it's, it's technically private and it's a private institution and thus they can hide it under layers of just confidentiality no one no one's sworn to any oaths it's they don't you know they don't have to respond to government oversight it's just a private which i believe which is what larry has 
uh, hypothesized a lot is that it's in control of a private contractor or contractors or an overseeing group. But it seems to be like it's these materials are in a in the hands of a private contractor because that's the only way this stuff could stay quiet. And that's what Jacques Vallée said is that Petit Memorial Institute has has these craft, has these pieces of metal, have these debris, biological samples, whatever. Because apparently it's Patel Memorial Institute, and they've had this, you know, starting in like the 20s and 30s. And he said that he saw a memo, um, or that I think Hynek saw, James uh, J. Allen Hynek saw a memo, and it was something about, it was a memo to like the director of the CIA. And if I'm recalling it correctly, it was in like a um it was in a superior tone basically talking down to the head of the CIA and the question arose is like who the hell talks down to the CIA who kicks the CIA around and what it led to was oh it's Patel Memorial Institute like they are they're above the CIA now how much of this is true how much of this is wild speculation as mr holcomb says in his book at the end of every chapter of course this is speculation but for everybody listening that didn't know what we were talking about. And I, and so, yeah, I kind of agree with it, though. I think that's probably what it is, probably under a private contractor. Well, don't get me wrong. I think, I don't think that the way Ballet uh, discussed Batia is, is really totally accurate. Because he was, it sounded like to me, he was saying that Patil was pulling the strings of all of these mm-hmm. things. And I don't think that's true. I think that Patil is a very talented, uh, qualified uh, entity to, to work with these contracts. Uh, as a subcontractor and perhaps has some authority to tell them what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But I don't think he is like a CEO of all of them. You know, I think that he's still a hired subcontractor and uh, as these others are. But I think they do come to him or come to the team. Um, and, and this is speculation on my part, I admit, but it, it, it seems to me to be logical that, you know, he's not going to tell Canada uh, in Washington State what to do. He's not going to control them. He's not going to control, or I say he, I mean the team. Uh, it's not going to control uh, what Sandia does, what uh, uh, any of the national labs do, or uh, Oak Ridge, for instance. Um, he may, they may, I don't know why I keep saying he, because there was a potato to start coming. Yeah. Um, the, the Institute may, um, may, uh, highly uh, pointed suggestions, but I don't. I, I think that they can still be overruled. Yeah. Now, 
I don't, you know, how much that weighs on the scale, I don't know. But anyway, that's my that's my take on and and uh, uh, I, I, there are just too many other powerful people that have been around that wouldn't pay uh, time with that. Our friend we were talking about last time, he sent me some information on James Jesus Angle. Mm-hmm. I don't think Patil would tell him what to do. No. I don't think uh, anybody did. Any, as a matter of fact, there are not very many people in the CIA knew he even existed. The ones that they did know he did cut him a wide berth. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. No, James Jesus Angleton, uh, I don't think anybody told him what to do, including the president. No. I don't know. No. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was instrumental in in knocking off Kennedy. <laughs> That's... <laughs> but, uh, anyway, there was uh, something else I wanted to, wanted to find out, but do... I lost my train of thought. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, Angleton is, is uh, what was the, the name of that book was uh, The Ghost. Yeah, The Ghost uh, by uh, Jefferson Morley. Yeah, they, uh, Fantastic read. The author is convinced that he was behind Kennedy's assassination. Yeah, yeah. And if, I, if the CIA was involved in Kennedy's assassination, it would be his correction. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he, he, there's nothing. Well, I, yeah. I'm used to it that had the stabber to actually pull it off. Yeah. And direct it. Yeah. He was brilliant and he was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, he was director of counterintelligence for the CIA for years and years under Alan Dulles, under, uh, I don't know, a number of directors. Mm-hmm. And he had ripped us into their office. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. He, he had, uh, he and, um, what the hell is his name? Uh, Hoover? Who was, who, who was the, J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, I don't know, I just completely blanked. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just com- yeah, yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, um, James Jesus Angleton was buddy-buddy with J. Edgar Hoover. And they kind of, he was a Hoover would basically kind of give him the keys to the kingdom. And it was that way he could do all this domestic stuff. And technically it would be, I mean, it was all shadowy and it was all sketchy, but I mean, James Jesus Angleton was asked by someone later on, uh, did this was, uh, was Jack JFK was, was the hit, was the hit on Jack an agency job. Okay. Or other saying in other words, was the JFK assassination carried out, by, carried out by the Central Intelligence Agency. And Angleton, instead of saying no, said the CIA is a big mansion and I don't know all the rooms. Like, what kind of answer is that? Like, just say yeah. no. Just say no. Be like, no. Yeah. What kind of answer is that? Well, you know, we've had a lot of presidents recently that could have said no. And they didn't. And didn't. They all had some sort of weird, sketchy, you know, if I knew, or that's not what they instruct us, or it seems like that none of them just flat out say no. They all dance around it in this weird... The fact that they don't just say no immediately 
any other answer to me says yes. That was a great comment by uh, former uh, Donald Rumsfeld when a uh, caller, he was on a radio show, and a caller called in and asked him, was it true that he attended a meeting on the subject of UFOs? And he said, I can't recall right offhand, but if I had been, it would have been top secret and I couldn't talk about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the answer is not no, right? It's, or, uh. And I have a George, the funniest one was George W. Bush, I think, on, after he left office, on, on I can't remember these talks. I, I can't remember W doing an interview. Yeah, I never acted. What did W say about? Are you talking about George W? Yeah, yeah. He was on. Uh, oh, what, the, what was the talk show host? And he tried to pin a lot of presidents down. He had Clinton on the show. He tried to pin his name on UFOs. Conan? F- huh? Conan? Brian, it was um, Letterman. No, it wasn't Letterman. Kimmel it was after, after Letterman. Maybe it was Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel. Was he the guy that had the city and mountains in the background of the set? Of, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, they're all the same. They're, Kimmel, I, I'm not. They're all the I'm same. Not, sure. not important. But anyway, uh, when Kimmel had. George W. Bush on. But anyway, so he got into talking to W. about uh, UFOs. And uh, W. just sort of was laughing at all. And he said, uh, well, Mr. President, if... um, then I'm having to, I can't recall exact words, but if, uh, uh, were you, uh, were you brief at all on UFOs? And he said, uh, I can't talk about that. And sort of grinned at Yeah. And I can't about that. And then he goes on to say, which he didn't have to, he said, uh, as a matter of fact, both of my daughters, or my daughter, both of my daughters, mm-hmm. have asked me about that. And uh, and and he said, Kimmel said, uh, what did you tell him? He said, I didn't tell him anything. So, and this is kind of a light subject, like, sure. you know, in the right way. Sure. And... Then Kimmel went on to say, well, would you tell me if, and I forget exactly what the question was that he asked me, would you tell me if I, if I were to ask you about something or something like that, and Bushlack looked at him and he said, I'm not telling you nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the audience just kind of exploded and laughed. Yeah. So 
You know, I mean, those comments are telling. He didn't have to say that. Yeah. The only answer is, I don't know. Yeah. But he didn't say that. I, I mean, what I took from it, he did know. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm kind of in... I kind of think that presidents are read in to a certain extent, but I don't think they have control over it. I don't think they're kept in the dark. I think it's probably like a, it's probably like a limited hangout. When that that's a an intelligence term for when you disclose a little bit of something, but make it look like you disclosed everything. So like if I have ten secrets, secrets, I'll tell you three of them, and you go, okay, Tommy just told us the secrets, but I told you three so that you'd stop looking around for the other seven. I think that presidents are probably let in on like a limited hangout basis. It's they I get think to... it depends on the president. Sure. Yeah. And, and they're standing with the CIA or with the intelligence community. Not just the CIA, but the intelligence community in sure. general. Sure. Um, and how they view each president and how much they'll tell them. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Jimmy Carter divulged some classified information, uh, and I forget exactly what it was, but there was a big stink over And uh, oh yeah, so I was, yeah. The was it the was it about the F one seventeen? It maybe it was a stealth aircraft. Yeah, I think it was the F one seventeen Nighthawk. Um, uh, but that was a pretty big stink over that so obviously the intelligence community would not be real happy for him to have any in-depth information yeah on the other hand they may have uh brief ronald reagan in some detail yeah well reagan seems like he probably played ball right reagan was given that record defense contracts to write the trillion dollar buildup or i think five trillion dollar buildup over like eight years I think they liked Reagan. I think Reagan was probably buddy buddy with them. And Reagan had two sightings. Yeah. Know, and, huh? Yeah. From his plane. Yeah. 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 Well, the one he said was on the ground. Oh, yeah. That he saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was late. He and uh, Nancy were late for a cocktail party. Oh, yeah, yeah. When it came out and it said, get, yeah, he, th- yeah. And he tested when he got there. And Shirley McLean was there. Of course, she's. You know, but uh, as she thinks about it, and Lucy Ball, she was asking him about it, and uh, Steve Allen, you know, and Steve Allen pretty much was a pretty much straight shooter. He was there, and he wanted to talk to Reagan about it. So anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, um, so how much they presidents know, I think is. Uh, I think Nixon knew a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he was he was well in the in the loop because he even mind he was vice president for eight years. Yeah, under Eisenhower. Under Eisenhower. Yeah, who was deeply involved in it. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, anyway, I wanted I, you know I sent you. Uh, a test. Yeah, yeah. You wanted me to look. Yeah, I could never find that. If you, if you had any knowledge of that event that I was trying to recall, maybe some of your listeners will. I'll, I'll read it out. It's um no, because I couldn't find anything. But I will read it out for the listeners. Maybe if anyone can help us. Um, let me find the text. 
straight in above it. No, not that one. It is. Here it is. I've been trying to find it. Uh, I've been so for anybody listening, if you can help us with this, please do drop a link in the comments or drop a comment below. I've been trying to find info on a Great Lakes UFO incident I heard some years back. It's not the famous Kinross AFB incident over Lake Michigan. This incident involved a military pilot and navigator sent up to investigate a UFO on radar. Just as the jet broke ground, a problem caused both to eject. As I recall, the navigator was killed, but the pilot survived. Again, as I recall, there was a large body of water just beyond a plowed field near the end of the runway. Investigators found the canopy on the runway, but no jet. The farmer who was outside said he never saw, or, or said, sorry, said he saw and heard nothing. No explosion or crash. Okay, sorry, so you didn't hear anything. The water was searched and nothing. No debris or petroleum uh, slick or anything. And uh, yeah, so no, I couldn't find anything on that case. But if anyone listening has, I don't know where exactly it was. It was on a body of water right off the Great Lake. You know, a cove or something like that. And if if, if they found the canopy on the runway where they ejected, the pilot and uh, and uh, engineer or, or navigator uh, ejected. So the canopy was on the runway. Uh, there was a farmer that was working in his field, and he had something to say. And I, I, I that's why I want to. I can't remember the story, mm-hmm. but it's it's a very interesting story that the plane was just breaking ground and. Uh, they uh, uh, ejected. So obviously the plane had to crash. Yeah. Had nobody flying. Yeah. Um, it had to go across the field and into the water, but there was no trace in the, on the water of any jet fuel, any any oils of any type, any residue, nothing. Everything was pristine. Just vanished. And the jet was never found. So. I'd like to, I know that I read about it. I don't know what book it may have been in, uh, whether it was in uh, Above Top Secret. Uh, I really need to go back and uh, look through that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the uh, highly recommended books that not many people know about is uh, uh, um, I'm trying to think the government and UFOs is the name of the book by um, shoot Leslie Kane hmm? Leslie Kane it, it's by somebody Swords, was it Michael Swords? Swords and I don't know. I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, I know I've got it here somewhere because I wouldn't. I don't see it right. Uh, wait a minute. Hold you're, good. you're good. Go look for it. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of episodes, not episodes of uh, UFO incidents where they never found anything. I think a big one is. Uh, oh, you got it. Here it is. 
UFO UFOs in the government, a historical inquiry by who is it? Michael and Robert Powell, Michael something and Robert Powell. It's uh, Michael Swords and Robert Powell, and then a bunch of uh, a number of foreign uh, scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Swords, I think Swords and Powell both are PhDs. Now, it's a big book. Yeah. And it's not cheap. Uh, I forget what I, what I paid for it when I got it, but like $35 or something. But it is one of the best research books uh, that doesn't go into any speculation Mm -hmm. whatsoever. It only goes into facts of each case and and identifies the government's mishandling of those cases. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, it's a hell of a read. Uh, I mean, it took me some time to get through it, but I used it. This is in writing my book. Mm -hmm. That was one of my Bibles. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, it's well done and it does examine the actual facts behind many, many of the well-known cases. Mm-hmm. And that may be where I, where I found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to go back. But that, <laughs> that book's are like 1,200 pages or something. And I, I, uh, it's hard to, hard to find if you don't know names yeah. you know, to, to put to it. Uh, but that's, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to find out more about that that case because uh, uh, it's especially today when we are um, getting so much more information on abductions and and uh, uh, missing aircraft mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, that seem to disappear. We, we, a lot of that's coming out into the open now. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about missing aircraft. Wasn't there that one case in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, Valentage? That was his name. The pilot. He's an amateur pilot. Yeah. And he was. Just, that was. That was in the 70s, I think. Australia. Oh, Australia. Why did I think uh, Gulf of Mexico? Um, um, uh, now Australia, but put his sister out and. Uh, New Zealand? Not New Zealand. I know what you're talking about. It's not, yeah, it's, yeah. point is. It, it's in that part of, it's, it was in that part of the world. Yeah. Point is, is there's a pilot last name Valentage, who I believe in like the late 70s was calling back to uh, air traffic control. And there's several minutes of transcript of just him describing this thing flying around. And then finally it's like, it's right over me. And then it cuts and they never found the plane. It just, Gone. Yeah, they, heard, they heard a lot of metal screeching. Yeah, and, they heard weird, yeah, metal noises, and they heard like weird distortions, like yeah. and just like they never. And then it cut off, and they never found the plane. Divers never found it. But yeah, the final seconds, there's like it sounds like an alien craft, and it's just like, and then it disappears. 
Off the face of the planet. She's gone. What the hell? That's a strange. Do That's you, a... What about that Malaysian flight from like 2014? Remember MH370? Didn't they ever? Did they ever find any pieces of that? Think that was snagged? I think they did. I think they. I think they found uh, like a elevator or a flap. Okay. Uh, uh, off the wing or something that had a had a uh, serial number on it. Ah. Uh that identified it as, as part of that plane. Now, but I could be wrong. I, I heard that it washed up on the beach, and I don't know why a bigger issue hasn't, hasn't been made of that. Yeah. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It was like several continents over, but something washed up somewhere. It got caught in an ocean current, and it just popped up somewhere else. Yeah, you know, the, uh, yeah, the event you mentioned... In the Great Lakes, um, that was a Scorpion jet that was sent up to investigate a UFO, and I can't recall the details of that except they lost contact with the pilot who had the thing in sight. Mm-hmm. And at some point, they lost contact with the with the pilot, and that's well documented. Mm-hmm. I well documented. I just can't remember the particular details of that because uh, I didn't put it into my book because I couldn't. It didn't really relate to back uh, to president, mm-hmm. but uh, well, I, I'm sure it did, but I couldn't find any any connection. Uh, but that plane vanished. Yeah. It was never found. Yeah. And, you know, aircraft just don't crash into the, into the sea. Yeah. Uh, even though it's Great Lakes, Great Lakes can be rougher than the ocean. And uh, in some places deeper than some places in the ocean. Without leaving a trace, without leaving oil slicks or some residue that will, I mean, if a plane crashes, a jet crashes into the ocean at speed, um, it's like hitting a brick wall. Yeah, no, it, you know, yeah, it rips apart the plane. You know, all the pieces. Yeah. It's not like you see in the movies that the plane dives down and goes underwater and something's down on the bottom. Yeah. It's, you know, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So they couldn't find any traces of that plane. So there's two instances we're talking about where you had uh, aircraft uh, that went missing, legitimately went missing without any trace whatsoever. Uh, And there are others. I don't know, man. It's a little creepy. Well, uh, yeah, uh, well, of course, at one time we had a, the pilots were told to shoot them down. Yeah, that's true. And if they got over that pretty quickly after they lost a number of aircraft and pilots. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to know, I would love 
to hear about like a whistleblower or something i bet that somewhere there is a a bunch of photos satellite photos of ufos that's what i want to know is like I want to see because I mean, if we're capturing these cities, someone, somewhere, some spy satellite over the last six decades, one of them's got to have just snapped a perfectly crisp photo, right? Because I mean, you can when you look at satellite photos from like the '60s, you can see like passenger airliners and stuff, and they're just right there, crisp as day. Someone's got to have somewhere. Someone's got to have some perfect picture. Uh, right, like the Phoenix Lights or something, which is weird because the spy satellite did did go offline during the Phoenix Lights in uh, March. Was it March thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven? Someone somewhere has satellite photos, of, and that's one thing I always think about. Is like you never, you know, you never hear about those in conspiracies or something. Satellite photos, but there's got to be a satellite photo. I don't think there's any question about it, but. You're not going. You're not yeah. going to get them. Yeah, I mean, where the hell are you going to? Yeah, there's, there's a number of. Them. Yeah. That, um, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, NORAD. Uh, oh yeah, this, we, yeah. We talked about that. I think the last time I was on with you, that uh, you know, NORAD has tracks these things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah, no, they they yeah, they. The radar is the most, the best, new, newest, and finest equipment, and that's what that's what they do. Yeah, and you're right. If you can, if you can identify somebody walking down the street from a satellite, yeah, uh, you could certainly take a picture of the UFO as long as they, whoever they are, allow us to do such. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. You know, kind of, we're getting to an area where we're talking about things. Wild speculation. In the, uh, that could be so incomprehensible to us that whomever these other people are, if they are, if they're only 10,000 years ahead of us, not to say a million years, uh, that what they can do and how they operate for lack of a better word could be just beyond our understanding and comprehension. I mean, what do you think we're going to be 100 years from now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't even need to be 10,000 years. They could be 100 years past us, and it would be... I mean, think 100 years ago. Think about sending an F-22 or an F-35 back to 1920. I I mean, Babe Ruth had been traded from the Red Sox two years prior. Imagine you send a B-2 bomber over some town. They're going to drop to their knees and praise it. It's but if you're ten thousand or what Arthur C. Clarke, any any sufficiently advanced uh, technology is indistinguishable from magic. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It's it, it it could just be. You know, we might be looking at the wrong thing. We might be looking for. We might be looking for craft. 
but it's not even craft. Like it might be something else, you know, like craft might be like the, the, on the lower end of technologically advanced aliens, like true advanced aliens. It would just be like their consciousness. Like you wouldn't even know they're here. They it would be an awareness, some ethereal, you know, like quantum looping, just be here and then it would disappear and there'd be no physical trace. I mean, it could be made of dark matter or dark energy. I mean, it could be, I mean, it could be so advanced that it could be sitting in the room with me and I wouldn't know. Like that, like that's a possibility. Like look at us compared to llamas. <laughs> like it might be that, right? Yeah, I, I don't, uh... I don't know. Um, I have some theories, but they are, they're by no way proven at all. Well, first of all, I believe without question that we're not dealing with one entity mm-hmm. uh, or race, if you will but a number of yeah, them absolutely. at different levels of, of, advancement. Uh, of advancement. As an example, uh, I think that the, the uh, aircraft, the film of the Tic Tac and the, uh, uh, the, the uh, other, what, was the, what the, do we call that? The, the gimbal? Rotator, the, the gimbal? Gimbal, the gimbal, and the fast go fast, fire. yeah, go fast. The three, those three films. Um, I think they are probably of a very, very advanced, many years advanced uh, race of beings. On the other hand, there's no question in my mind that the Sirocco events, Rocco New Mexico event, um, was not an extraterrestrial event, but my guess is that they were far less advanced Mm -hmm. than these others. Mm -hmm. They were, they were probably primitive in comparison to these others, far more advanced than we are, but maybe they were, had just learned space travel and uh or only 500 years more advanced than we are yeah you see yeah and and the reason i say that is because the craft that craft didn't operate like these some of these other craft do Mm -hmm. which operate silently do maneuvers from here in the blink of an eye to other side um where the Sirocco uh, vehicle, whatever, actually had flame coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It had bursts uh, of fire coming out of the bottom. It, it came like... up and it, it turned some rocks or sand to glass and all that before it uh, it took off at a rapid speed, I think. Um, so that indicates to me that this, there were two distinct levels of... of uh, of advancement, mm-hmm. one far more advanced than the other, and they're probably 
numerous others out there somewhere uh, that are not coming here uh, to look for him, but uh, are at various levels of, of development. Yeah. So, uh, for what for what that's worth. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, Larry, my mom's calling me for dinner. So let's wrap this one up, and um, I'm going to email you or text you. Let's do another one, and I, I want to talk about the Eisenhower uh, the Eisenhower UFO uh, meetings. Yeah, that'd be fine. Just let me know. When, and uh, when are you going to bring Bethany on here? Oh, I'll ask because she wants to meet you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, she will be so happy you asked. I'll uh, no, apologize I'll, to her about the book. No, 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 don't worry I, about it. I, I had, I didn't have any. Don't, I have one. Don't worry about it. And uh, as soon as I get my order in, which they say is shipped, but I've yet to seen it, to have seen it. So um, as soon as I get that in, I'll get one to her. I'll get her to come on with you, man. Let's Up to you, and you'll get it to her. Yeah. Let's plan one for, let's plan one for January, and we'll get her on. Okay, make it uh, make it at least a week after the tenth. Okay, because yeah. I'm finishing up uh, this uh, dental surgery that sure. I've been having. Sure. And uh, the last one I had uh, had me pretty miserable for about three or four days and yeah. I've got one the last one coming up on the 10th so okay um, I need uh, about a week to recuperate okay well let's uh let's shoot for that then I'll shoot you a text and um yeah we'll do one with Bethany and we'll get into the UFOs and Eisenhower and alien briefings and um yeah I'll send you a link when this one's up but uh okay. very good well have yourself a very very Merry Christmas and you beat me to Happy it. New Year and all that stuff. You beat me to it. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say I won't see you, so a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. But you stole my thunder, Larry. But um same to you, sir. And um maybe twenty twenty ends with a mass UFO sighting. That's what I'm holding out for. Okay. Over every city during the countdown, the New Year's countdown, I want the motherships to arrive. <laughs> I got you. That's what I'm hoping for. Larry Holcomb, author of President, or excuse me, Presidents and UFOs. The link will be in this uh, top comment and in the description. One of my favorite UFO books. Very fascinating, and uh, it's fun. Mr. Holcomb, I'll see you. I'll send you a link when this one's up. All right. God bless and uh, see you shortly. Yeah. God bless too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.